Lake Church. Hallelujah. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? Hallelujah. We give you praise. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify, we magnify you, Lord. For you are good and you do good. For you are good and you do good. Hallelujah. For you are good and you do good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He invites you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Bring forth that tongue, brother. I had I had no idea. I had no idea that you were going to be talking this morning. And I, I just when you were my when you were my children's church and you were big enough to be in there and you were two years too young and you would sneak in there and I'd get in trouble with your mama because she'd come in and she'd say, where's my son? Where's my son? And, she, and she'd find him in my children's church. This wasn't my children's church. This was Jesus' children's church. And I just loved those kids and I just loved them so much. And I would look at you. I, I, I can't explain to you. That's, don't get mad at him, mama. Don't get mad at him, mama. Don't get this boy in trouble. And I see you standing up here today. The power of God is so strong. It is so strong. You've got to fulfill your destiny. You've got to fulfill your destiny. This is no accident that the power of God is so strong between the two of you. You are a team. I love you both so much. I love you as a child. And I love you as my best friend. And I'd die for you. As I would for you. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's celebrate with our brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Divine connections, saith the Lord, divine connections. That is the theme and the place of this season and this time, saith the Lord. For I have drawn you to certain people and to certain groups of people to protect you and to encourage you and to edify and to build you up. And yes, you shall leave and come back and leave and come back and leave and come back, but that will be the basis, saith the Lord, for your counsel, for your edification, for your strength, for the anointing to increase in your life. 
So don't shirk off the, the relationships that I've put in your life. Don't see them as unimportant, saith the Lord, even if they are not what, I, what you would consider profitable in this season. But know this, saith the Lord, I have grouped you with people, for I do not do things just individually. I do things corporately, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to take care of some business before we get started with the Word of God. I'm going to have one of our elders, Rocky Castillo, come up here. Amen. Hallelujah. Can Richard, Richard, can you come up here, Richard? Is it okay for you to come up here, my brother? Hallelujah. Now, I want, uh, I've got uh, Joel back there, and we got a wonderful, good report from Bud Reed. Praise God. And he's got a microphone for you, Bud. Tell him what the doctor said. Amen? Tell us what the doctor said. Well, I went to the doctor, uh, Mincy, and... uh, he showed me a CAT scan from last Thanksgiving up to the present, and he couldn't find anything in my right lung. And he, re- he reported that it is a significant improvement, but to continue with the chemo through April. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wade, Joe, lay your hands on him right now in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Father God, that you that has begun a good work in him, you're going to complete it right now in Jesus' name. And we just curse this right now in the name of Jesus. We curse these growths, these tumors, Father, in the name of Jesus. We command them to dissolve in the name of Jesus. And we declare that he's going to have a clean bill of health in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you all to listen to this. Because in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, It seems as if the Lord is talking about marriage, and he is talking about marriage in regards. He says, wives, you know, submit to your husbands. We always like that one. (laughs) But then it says, husbands, love your wives. And it talks about and it shows the difference between the human relationship of marriage and the relationship of Jesus and his church. And it says, men should love their wives as they love their own flesh. And it says, and no man ever despises his own flesh, okay, but nourishes it and cherishes it. But notice what he says, even as the Lord does the church, for we are his body. Jerry, you are a part of the body of Christ. Your flesh is his flesh. So what does that mean? It means that he desires to nourish and cherish, not afflict it or torment it with disease and sickness and ailment. 
but he wants to nourish it, bud, and cherish it. And we need to see this, that our flesh, and there's a lot of negativity that comes with that. There's a lot of biblical, you know, uh, you know uh, precautions about the flesh. But we need to understand that Jesus redeemed us spirit, soul, and body in the name of Jesus. And we've got a, a couple of people. Uh, Jerry, come right up here. Come right up here, right here. In Jesus' name. We've got some people that are battling in their body. And uh, I want you to understand that the Lord cherishes your body. The Lord nourishes your body. The Lord cherishes your body. Because no man ever hated his own flesh. You got up, you washed it today, you shaved, you took care of it, you put on nice clothes. Your flesh, you want to make it as comfortable as possible. Well, the Lord also does that with us. Amen? Because he's our husband. That's what he's saying. He's our husband. So he nourishes us and he cherishes our bodies. Amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father God, touching our brother right now and nourishing him and cherishing him by the anointing of God. We thank you and we command this to leave him now in the name of Jesus. And he will not be afflicted with this any longer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's many more, many more years for you, my brother, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Many more years in the name of Jesus. The Lord cherishes and loves you. We know you're convinced he loves you in your spirit. But you know what? You need to grow in your understanding that he loves this too. And he cares for this and he's provided for your flesh. And so we're going to come against this attack of the enemy. Now, you've already prayed the prayer of faith. You're a man of faith, and you're speaking words of faith. So I'm just coming into agreement. Amen? Amen? And we're all coming into agreement with you. Amen? I'm so glad that you guys are behind me because that's really what happens when we're praying for people. It isn't just about me. It's about us coming together in the name of Jesus. Amen? So, Father, in Jesus' name, send your hands to this brother. Right? In Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God, for health and healing flowing forth. Right now, in the name of Jesus, driving out all sickness and disease, all infirmity right now. In Jesus' name, cancer be gone. In the name of Jesus, leave his life right now. You have no access. This is the Lord's body. This is the Lord's temple right now. In the name of Jesus, we declare you healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Continue in my medicine, saith the Lord. Continue in my word, and you'll begin to see the freedom and the, and the lack of restriction that you have felt in your life is going to fall to your feet, and you're going to walk in a tremendous freedom even in your latter years. For you will even say within yourself, How can I be feeling this way at the age that I am? It goes against my paradigm. But the Lord is here to dash those paradigms to the ground and make you realize that even the aged will be evergreen in my presence, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Lord cherishes and nourishes our flesh. Amen. Amen. And anything that attacks that flesh is attacking the temple of God. We're not going to have it. I said, we're not going to have it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I get some anointing oil? Do you know where that anointing oil is? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Speedy delivery. Hallelujah. Can we lift up our hands and let... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to make you smell nice, but this is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't mind any discomfort, I'm going to to place it on your nose. Is that all right? Okay. So we're just going to see a, a supernatural miracle of God right here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The church, the church, church, the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, his body represented by these people right here. Come on, let's stand to our feet and hallelujah. Let's, let's lift our hands in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we command sickness and disease to leave this man right now in the name of Jesus. And we command this growth to leave, die, dissipate, and dissolve In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that the legislative assembly, we bind it right now and cast it from him right now in the name of Jesus and command this growth to dissolve and die in the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Dissipate and dissolve. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? When he cursed that fig tree, if the fig tree could talk, if it could talk to us, it would say, the power of God went down to my roots. And praise God, the roots of that is dissolving right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for good report in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'll bring you one. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. This is a season of unexpected miracles, saith the Lord. Unexpected miracles. For even those that have been told that they cannot conceive life within their body shall see that happen, saith the Lord. There will be miraculous births in the name of Jesus. Women that were told that they could not have children will have children, saith the Lord. 
For I am the Lord that gives the desires of men and women's hearts, saith God, and I will bring it forth. And it shall be a sign and a wonder, and it shall amaze many, saith the Lord. And the women will hold the children and say, I would not have had this child if it was not for my Savior and my Lord, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Grab a hold of that, brother. What do you got, my brother? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for the healing power of God going forth right now. We sense it by the Spirit of the Lord. Which knee is it, my brother? Right knee. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father God, for your supernatural healing going forth right now into this right knee. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, that his knee is completely healed and restored. Everything is back to natural function in the name of Jesus. The Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. He nourishes and cherishes the church. And He's nourishing and cherishing this knee right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Begin to do something you couldn't do before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Begin to move that. It's going to get better and better in Jesus' name. It's going to get better and better in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. I said, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a couple of businessmen over here. I'm not going to point them out because I don't want you going over there and asking them for money. There's a couple of businessmen over here. And the Lord says, do not be afraid of the economy. Do not be afraid of what's going on in the natural sphere, saith the Lord. But know that I have preserved and I have put a hedge of protection around your businesses and around your finances, saith the Lord. And you'll begin to see increase where others will begin to see decrease. Others will begin to lose accounts and you'll begin to gain accounts, saith the Lord. And you shouldn't see it as, oh, I'm this big businessman. I'm this smart person. Know that my wisdom is upon you. My anointing is upon you. And I will increase it. I will increase it. I will increase it. And you will not have to borrow anymore. You'll lend and you will not borrow, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. There are, in, 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 you know, entrepreneurs in this house in the name of Jesus that God has specifically put in place to finance the end time harvest, which is happening all around the world right now. It is happening. It is happening. We're not believing for revival. Revival is here. Revival is now. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's make the devil nervous and just give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a very important message that we're bringing forth. I hope that you see the importance and the weightiness of it. Uh, because we have been in full-scale deceptive mode 
uh, during these last, especially the last two to three years, and we need to be uh, people of understanding. Amen? We need to be like the sons of Issachar, men who knew their times and understood what the people of God should do. And so we need to be people that understand our times. Jesus said you can, you can predict the weather, but you don't know what time it is. Well, I'm here to tell you, Lake Church knows what time it is. Amen? We know what time it is. Amen? So let's go to 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse number 18. It says, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist, now actually in the Greek, it is the capital word Antichrist because it's talking about an individual. Because uh, another translation, I believe it's the New King James translation, says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists, so now it's taken away from the personalized Antichrist and going into the spirit of Antichrist. And we understand that the spirit of Antichrist has been rampant in the world since the beginning. Amen? Since, Since God gave that declaration in uh, Genesis 2.15 that the seed of the woman would crush the, the head of the serpent. And so the spirit of Antichrist has been rampant in the world. And it says that Antichrist is coming. So many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, how to live in the last hour is found at the first portion of this verse right now where it says, children. Children, children, we've got to be children in our relationship with God. Amen? Because in order to stand against the Antichrist spirit that is in the world, we're going to have to be like, have childlike faith. Amen? And that's the reason why the apostle um, John says, children, go to the next verse here. Hallelujah. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Now, that's not talking about people that have left a personal church. or pers- We're talking about people that have left the church. Amen? Amen? There are people that have left the church and have abandoned the faith. And he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were not of us, because if they were of us, they'd still be with us, okay? Next verse. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. And we explained that to great detail last time, is that you have an unction of the Holy One on the inside of you. If you're born again here today, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And it says you have all knowledge. Or the King James says, you know all things. Now you might be saying, me? Know all things? Not in your head, but by your spirit. The unction and the anointing, the mind of Christ resides in your spirit, not in your head. Amen? Amen. You can know things that your head cannot understand or perceive. Because you're a spirit being living in a physical body. Amen? You are not a human being having a spiritual experience. 
You are a spirit being having a human experience. Amen? Because this body is going to go to the earth, should the Lord tarry, and we not be transformed and changed, and we're still going to be very much alive, even more alive than we are today. This body is a blindfold. It blinds us to the realm of the Spirit. It shields us, and the only way that we can see into the realm of the Spirit is by the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. That's the only way we can get a realization of what's really going on around us. Amen? We have an unction. Say that. I have an unction. And I have all knowledge. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen? Go to the next phrase there. I write to you not because you do not know the truth. Notice this. He says, I'm not writing that you don't know the truth. I'm writing because you, there, you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Now notice that. No lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. Truth is truth. Deception is deception. We need to cleave as children to the truth because there's no lie in the truth. We've had people tell us things and not come through. We've had politicians tell us things and not come through. We've had business people tell us and make promises on goods and services and not come through. But I'm here to tell you we serve a God that is the truth And there is no lie. The Bible says that he cannot lie. It doesn't say he will not lie. It says he cannot lie. So if he says by the stripes of Jesus you're healed, Jared, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. When he says that he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases, he cannot lie. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he goes on and says this, thy word is truth. So this word, this word of God is truth. And in it, there is no lie. Now I'm here to tell you, you can turn on the television And there's lie, lie, lie. You can scroll through your timeline. There's lie, lie, lie. I mean, you know when a politician is lying is when his mouth is moving. Hello. Lie after lie after lie after lie. But when I open this book, I said when I open this book, oh, there's preachers that lie, lie, lie. But when we open the book, see, you, you shouldn't be focused on your preachers and your teachers. They're fallible human beings. But when you get in the book for yourself, there is no lie in this book. I said there is no lie in this book. I know this seems like Sesame Street here today, but it is important for you to understand that. That if I want the truth on something, I need to go no further than the 66 books of the Bible. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. There is no lie. Go to the next verse. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Who is the liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
So the big lie is, is that Jesus is not who he says he is. He's not who the Bible says he is. That's the big lie. The big lie is to say that Jesus is just a teacher. Jesus is just a guru. Jesus is just a man. Jesus is just a symbol. Jesus is just a religion. No, Jesus is the Christ. The anointed of God. Praise God. Remember how the apostle Peter, he wasn't, you know, he was called an apostle, but he wasn't, you know, uh, separated to his apostleship yet. He was walking with the Lord. And he said, who, remember Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're this. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he turns to him and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he gets a lot of bad rap in the scripture. But I'm telling you, he had uh, the compulsion of, uh, within him to speak from his heart for the first time. And he said, thou art the Christ. You're the Mashiach. You're the Messiah. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, this is the foundation that I'm going to build my church with. It's this revelation that Jesus is the Christ. And there are all kinds of ministry that's going forth today that is not emphasizing that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? This is Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Go on to the next verse. No one who denies the Son has the Father. See, you're not going to have the Father God if you don't have the Son. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Go right ahead. Let what you heard from the beginning abide. Now notice that. The word abide means to, to stay and stand still and to stay in place and to, and to be constant. He says, let this that you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. So the key word, three times we see the word abide. Three times. Hello. We live in a wanton spirit in the world today. People wander. And in fact, deception means to be led astray. It means to be led astray. Notice how we stay away from the deception of the Antichrist spirit is found in the word abide, abide, and abide. (laughs) Abide, abide, and abide. Amen? We've got to be children. And if daddy says stay there, we stay there. Hello? Okay, next verse. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. Amen. Next verse. I write these things to you about those who are trying to what? Deceive you. Now, if there's deception alive in John's day, deception is alive and well today. And in fact, it's even worse. Go to the next verse. But the anointing or that unction that he talked about in the previous verse, that you received from him abides in you. Now notice that. Notice this. It doesn't come and go. It doesn't just show up at a good service. Oh, come on now. 
well, I got to get to church and have the service, you know, so that I can hear from God. No, it says it abides in you. That means it continuously is all the time, 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. This anointing abides in you. But as we saw in the previous verses, we've got to understand this, that even though that anointing abides in us, we may not always abide in it. Now, what does that mean? Positionally, we abide in him and he abides in us. But in our experience and in our awareness, the enemy can distract us to where we're not abiding in our soul and in our life with the unction that's on the inside of us. There's very few people, hello, that even know they even have this unction. Let alone, let, let alone being able to identify it and actualize it and cause that unction to begin to operate and work in their life. But guess what? That anointing abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need fivefold ministry gifts, books and commentaries and things to help us grow. That doesn't mean that at all. Because the fivefold ministry gifts speak from that same unction. See, that unction is a companion to you. The main level of your experience with God is personal. It's not from someone else's experience. It has to be from you. So what does God's coaching staff do? God's coaching staff doesn't say, look at me and see what a great Christian I am and what a great believer I am. I laid hands on the sick and they recovered and I had all these miracles and blah, 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 blah. No, the goal of a fivefold ministry gift is to get you in connection with that unction that's on the inside of you and to teach and educate you to cultivate a relationship with the unction to where you're beginning to get insight and revelation and prophetic utterances and all of the things that the Spirit of God wants to give you is manifesting in your personal life. Amen? He says, but as his anointing teaches you, notice this, that as I'm speaking these words and as I'm reading these words, you're hearing from the unction. How many know what I'm talking about? You're hearing from the unction. The unction's reminding you of scriptures that you read this week. It's reminding you of messages that you've heard. Reminding you of even things that other people have said in your life are things that you've read in the scripture. All of a sudden, the puzzle pieces are starting to come together because the anointing teaches you. Amen? All right? About everything. Notice that. He'll teach you how to be a good husband. He'll teach you how to be a good wife. He'll teach you how to be a good parent. He'll teach you how to be a good businessman. He'll teach you how to be a good businesswoman. He'll teach you how he'll teach you about your sports. He'll teach you about school. He'll teach you about everything. That anointing will teach you in everything. Not just biblical topics, but topics of life because he has given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. And it is true and is no lie 
just as it has taught you, abide in him. Amen? So, you see, the, the, what we've got to get a hold of is that we need to make it of utmost importance that we stay in an abiding position. Do you understand that? To stay in an abiding position. What deception does is it draws you away from that abiding position. Okay? To deceive in the Greek means to lead astray. It means something distracts you, pulls you out of your present abiding position, and gets you into a place that is not in the abiding place. And you know when you're not in that abiding place because peace leaves you and joy avoids you. Come on now. There's two indicators whether you're not in the will of God or not. It's your peace and your joy. If you want to know if you're in the will of God, you need to look at your peace meter and you need to look at your your joy meter. Amen? And if those things are redlining, you're right smack dab in the will of God. See, the abiding position will be manifested by the fruit of peace and joy. Amen? And that's the reason why if you're you know, endeavoring to be led by the Spirit of God, you're not always going to hear something. You're not always going to hear something talking to you. You're going to know something from the unction. The unction's going to have a knowing in your knower that you are walking the way of peace and there is joy in your life. I know when people have been pulled away, let me, let me pull you up here, pulled out of the abiding place, the first thing that begins to happen is they can't sleep. There's just no rest. They're antsy, agitated, and anxious. And then all of a sudden you'd get to, you know, now they might, you know, put a smile on their face and laugh and joke and stuff like that. But it's not joy. They're fatigued. They're distraught. You know, they're, they're uh, you know, filled with anxiety, filled with fear. There's no joy. They can't have fun anymore. Everything's super ultra serious. Hello, I've been there. But see, all we've got to do is realize that an abiding place is on the inside of us. And that it has never left us. Now, you're going to be, sometimes when we get in these positions, you're going to think God left. I've been there, my God, where'd you go? Where'd you go? You know, he's playing hide and seek. I don't know where he's at. But the minute I make an adjustment, the minute I make an adjustment, and repentance is an adjustment. Lord, I got my focus on the wrong thing. I got my focus on the wrong thing. Hello? How many have ever heard a report about, you know, a friend of yours that says something about you, and uh, all of a sudden your peace leaves you? Hello? You're not sleeping? Hello? You're thinking about it all the time? Hello? An earworm has entered into your realm and is agitating you. 
and taking away all of your peace. And then what happens next? I'm not, you're just not happy about anything. You're just not happy. Not anything makes you happy anymore. The joy has left your life. Yeah. Amen? But guess what? You can say, I repent. Lord, I'm not going to think on those thoughts. Love believes the best. If they said it, they didn't mean to say it. Hello. Because if they really knew what was going on, they, they would understand. And when we make that adjustment, then we come back into that abiding place. And the unction can begin to teach us and instruct us again. See, many times we say things like, I'm not hearing God. Or I'm just not getting the words like I used to get words. I'm just not getting direction like I need to get direction. And it's because we have violated the abiding place. And the enemy has come in and he'll do it through a fence. Mainly he'll do it through a fence. Just take you, lift you up. Bam, take you over here. You're meditating on a fence. You're meditating on what they did. And all of a sudden, you know, you're clogging up the wells. You see, the communication line is hindered. It doesn't mean that it leaves because there are people that get really, really upset and, 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 and I've had them thinking that they've committed the impartable sin because they can't hear from the Lord anymore. No, the devil has blinded you through a distraction of deception that has taken you out of that abiding place and has pulled you over to where you can't get in connection Two, because I'm trying to explain this. I hope you're getting a hold of this. But see, it isn't that the Lord leaves you. It isn't that he turns his back on you. He's with you the entire time you're going through the deception. It's because your focus is on something else. That you can't, you're not in connection with. It's just like if I'm trying to talk uh, to our sister here and Steve's trying to talk to me. Well, my focus is on her. See, what Steve's trying to say, I'm not really, I'm not making a connection with. Although, has Steve left? Has Steve stopped talking? If you know Steve, he never stops talking. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I had to get you there, brother. He's continuing to talk to try to get my attention, but because my focus is on our sister here, I'm not seeing that's how it works. See, in order to blind you, he doesn't put his hands over your eyes. He just moves your eyes. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's go to the next scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We don't have that on bumper stickers. No, we don't. We don't have wood carvings of that, you know, that we buy at Branson. Okay, that's not our favorite scripture, but it's the truth. If you're abiding and doing and desiring to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. All right? Next verse. While evil people and imposters, everybody say imposters. The King James says evil seducers, evil seducers. That's very appropriate. But the word imposter is a very important word in the Greek. 
And uh, actually, it means this, magician. Magician, okay? It's the word uh, goes in the, uh, in the Greek, and it means magician, and it means this. Now, don't get mad at me. Actor. Now, notice this. It says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They come by their deception honestly because they themselves are deceived. Do you understand what I'm saying? So how many remember the the pandemic? How many remember they had a a video where these high-level actors sang us Imagine? How many remember that? It was a viral video, and they all took a piece of John Lennon's Antichrist work, Imagine. Now listen, I don't get any comfort from Imagine because it talks about a godless society. Now we should not be listening to Imagine. Imagine is a hymn for the devil because it talks about imagine if there's no heaven, no hell below us. Imagine if there wasn't this. And basically John Lennon was coming against the, the Christianity and the Judeo-Christianity ethic that was in the world today. He's coming against the gospel and the truth of God's word. And we just established right now that in the word of God is truth and there is no lie. So what does that say imagine is? Imagine is a lie. And these, and these actors, even Wonder Woman was on there. She had a horrible voice. In fact, none of them could sing. And so they're singing a verse to imagine, and that's supposed to comfort us during this time. Remember, they all said this. We're all in this together. Well, right. Well, I'm in a little, you know, 2,000 square foot house and you're in a mansion riding ponies in the afternoon. (laughs) Hello. And it says evil seducers, actors, and magicians. That's what it calls it. You know what an actor is? They're a magician. Amen. They're a magician. They're a magician. What does a magician do? A magician does sleight of hand and deceptive things to get you to believe that something has happened that hasn't really happened. Okay? And if you go see a magician, they start off with small little tricks first. Card tricks, our little sleight of hand. And all the while, they're building within you a trust. Come on now. They're building a trust in you so that when they do the big one, you'll believe it. He says, go back to that scripture, Kirby. Keep it up there. While evil people and imposters, magicians and actors, 
will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will lead astray because they themselves have been led astray. And that's the reason why you see the widespread hypocrisy in the elitist class. The elitist class has been deceived. Many of them, top tier, are in league with Lucifer himself. And are getting their directions from him. People don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that. But it's absolutely the truth. Not everybody that's deceived is in direct connection with the devil. But there are factions of our culture and of our society in the elitist sphere that call themselves Luciferians. They believe that Lucifer was actually trying to help mankind from the tyranny of Yahweh. And so they use all these apparatuses and all of these, all the technology to bring about a message that is contrary to the word of God. And he uses actors to do this. I know you might like your weatherman and your sportscaster. You might like your personal channel to, you know, uh, reporter or whatever. But they're all reading scripts. Actors pretend. They make a living being something that they are not. Giving messages that they do not believe themselves but they're paid so well that they'll just say whatever the teleprompter or whatever the script says. So many of them don't even realize that they're being used in a mind control program. Oh, See, the individual has the ability to be smart and discerning. But people don't think individually. They think in packs. And the enemy knows this. It's what's known as the hive mind. And if enough information or stimulus can get in a group of people the majority of that group will walk in lockstep. See, that's the spirit of Antichrist. They will walk in lockstep with whatever the information is. So we've heard a lot about threats to our democracy. First off, we're not in a democracy, people. We're in a republic. Very different. There are democratic elements to our government, but we are not a democracy. Neither are any of the other governments of the world. They are not a democracy. 
quit being fooled by the word game that they're playing. The word of God is truth and is no lie. Hello? This too rough for you. Okay, all right. Let's go to the next verse. Um, I sense a shift. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Next verse. But he answered them, you see these? Do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now the disciples, they were telling Jesus and saying, man, look at this. Look at the temple. Look at all this wonderful thing. You know, this is wonderful. You know, here's a portion of Solomon's temple that's here. You know, the the wall of Solomon's temple because Herod had built a a, a temple and he said, and and, and they're showing it off. And he says, don't you know that there's not going to be not one stone on top of one another. Go ahead to the next verse. He says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives. Now, that word sat is very important for you to understand. Because in Eastern culture, when you followed a rabbi or a master teacher, if he was walking and talking, it was informal. It meant that, you know, you didn't need to take notes, you know. It was just kind of interaction, personal interaction. Now, Jesus said many good things when he was walking and talking that they would take note of, but it wasn't a formal teaching session. But when a rabbi sat down, that meant you locked in. You locked in and said, oh my goodness gracious, I I got it. He's going to say something that's going to be life-altering. And so he sets down on the Mount of Olives, the very place that his foot is going to step down on and split in half when he comes back. And the disciples came to him privately. They're kind of uh, upset and, and, and concerned about what he just said. And they said, tell us, when will this be? When, when will these things be? And notice he asked a couple more questions. And what will be the sign of your coming? The word coming is the Greek word parousia in the Greek. And it means his coming to stay. Not the rapture. They're not asking them about the rapture. They don't even know what the rapture is. They're asking about his coming when he splits them out of olives. And then he goes on and he says, and of the end of the age. So the next phrase that Jesus says after those questions is this. And Jesus answered them. He's seated. You better focus on what he's saying. And the first thing that pops out of his mouth is not dispensationalism. He says, see that no one leads you astray. King James, see that no man deceives you. Now, I believe I have the Passion Translation on that verse, the next verse there, Kirby. Jesus answered, this is at the Passion At that time, deception will run rampant. So beware and do not be fooled. 
So the end times or the last hour is an hour of deception. So what does that mean for us as believers? It means that we must stay close and in tune with the word. Hello. We can't afford to not be in our word. We cannot afford to not be in connection with the truth. Because we're hearing lies continuously on a steady basis. We are hearing misinformation, disinformation, faulty information. Because there is a purpose to that process to get us into a realm of deception because the spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of pretense. The magicians are working their tricks. The actors are reading their scripts. You've got to get into your word, what God has said. To be able to resist. They will tell you that men can have babies. And there are people that will sit and swear to Congress to testify that that is absolutely true. They will tell you that God no longer is concerned with sin. And that it's all about his love and his mercy and his grace. Which he is all that and more. But God deals with sin. Because that is the evidence of it. And he still deals with it today. Amen? Rampant deception. What's that next verse? Hallelujah. John eight forty four. Notice this. Now many scriptures, many believers don't have this memorized. You need to have this memorized. He's talking to the most religious people of the day in which he lived in, and he says, "You're of the your father, the devil." He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you're of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Do we believe that? Do we believe that the devil does not stand in the truth? Then why are we listening to him? Why are we listening to him when it comes to symptoms in our body? Why are we listening to him when it comes to our children? Why are we listening to him when it comes to our nation? Why are we listening to him when it comes to our business? Why are we listening to him? We listen to him more than we could ever imagine. And it's only through the renewing of the mind to the word of God that that causes that voice to begin to be stifled and muffled. Notice what it says. Because, no, go back. Because there is no truth in him. Let that sink in. 
You know, you ever had some good hot biscuits? You put that butter on top of that biscuit? Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Actually, he speaks out of his own source or his own person. You understand that? For he is a liar and the father of lies. Amen? Amen. This too rough for you? Okay, next, next verse. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Next verse. Okay. I guess we forgot a verse. All right. <laughs> Revelation 23. Notice this. And they threw him into a pit and they shut him. I thank God that's going to happen. That's talking about the devil. They threw him into a pit and they shut him up and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Notice this, that when it comes to millennial reign, that the devil is going to be shut up in the bottomless pit and sealed for a thousand years, and everything flourishes. So what does that tell you? That tells you, without his deception in the earth, your life gets better. Next verse. Revelation 28, and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the world. So I'm trying to show you a pattern that he's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. Next verse. Revelation 20.10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. Man, God, can we just rejoice? Amen. Hallelujah. Was thrown in the lake of fire. Amen. Where the beast and the false prophet were. Amen. Next verse. Psalm 91.3, it says, For he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Very important that he uses those words. Because how many have tried to ever catch birds? That's what a fowler is. A fowler catches fowl, catches birds. And to catch birds requires all kinds of tricks and techniques. And so he's basically saying that if you'll abide in the secret place of the Most High, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. You go back to um, Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand, abide against the schemes are wiles of the devil. Notice it does not say stand against the power of the devil. It doesn't say that. It says stand against his schemes, stand against his wiles, stand against his deceptions. Amen? Are you ready? Are you sure? Are you still with me? Amen. All right, let's go. What do I got there, Kirby? Let me see here. Okay. Okay. 
Let's go to this scripture here, Genesis 3.1, because I'm going to show you the process of deception. The process of deception. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. The Hebrew word arum means that they, he is witty, he is crafty, he's deceiving than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, here is the first step in the progression of deception. Now, I need a Jesus. Jaden, why don't you come up here and sit, stand right here, and you be Jesus, all right? Okay? All right. Daniel, come over here, and he'll be hillbilly Jesus. Oh, I'm just Okay, so what binds us, what binds us to Jesus, this is a revelation you've got to get a hold of. What binds you to Jesus is his word. That is your relationship. No word, no relationship. No more that you can ever have a relationship with a human being without words. The words and the depth of those words and the height of those words determine the level and depth of the relationship. So the only way that I'm going to walk and abide with him is with his word. So the word has to be primary, first place in our lives because that connects me. Stay close together. That connects me to Jesus. Okay? So the first thing that the enemy does, because he sees Eve connected to the Lord, even though the Lord is not physically there, he has to bring about a distraction or something that takes Eve out of the abiding place. And the first place that he uses is our soul, is our mind. Okay? So what does he do? Did God actually... Go back, go back. No? Okay. All right, right there. Okay, Kirby. All right, I'm going to fire you. (laughs) I'm going to whip you with that podium. Okay. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Notice there's margin now. You see what I'm saying? And this is this is true not just in, you know, the written word. But in your prayer life, when you get words from God, these words link you together. And, oh, thank you, Jesus, for telling me that. I'm so, I, I'm so grateful for your plan. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I can see my future. I can see my destiny. And then a little while comes in and says, well, you know, did he actually say that? Hello. Oh, 
I'm so grateful, Father God. The doctor gave me a bad report. But you know, your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And you forgive all my iniquity and you heal all my diseases. I'm so grateful. And we're walking in that unification. And then all of a sudden, a symptom comes in your body and the enemy comes in and says, well, if that was the case, you wouldn't be feeling that in your body. Did he really say that? See, he's taking and putting margin in the, the, the abiding place. Amen? He'll do that with relationships. Father, I just thank you that my wife has eyes only for me and I have eyes only for her. And I just thank you, Father God, that we're one in you and that we're going to glorify you in our marriage. And then all of a sudden time passes, something begins to happen, some words are exchanged, and then the enemy comes in and says, well, what? why'd she say that? Why's she been gone and not texted you? Did God really say that? See, he creates margin. So go to the next verse. Stay right here. (laughs) And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Next verse. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, see, basically what happens is, is we're being fooled and tricked into really beginning to question what God has said, which leads us to cooperate in the distortion of what God said. Do you see that? The distortion of what God said. It's no longer... Did God say, it's, well, God said this, but he said this, and he said it wrong. She said it wrong. She said, if you just touch it, you're going to die. And notice she uses the word, lest you die. That is not what Adam was told. Adam was told, you partake of this tree, you will die. Not lest you die, not you might die, but you're going to die. There is no lie in the truth of God's word. If God said it, it will happen. But notice the deceiver bringing margin between, you see, the mankind and God by getting them to begin to come up with opinions about what God has said. Go to the next verse. But the serpent said, you will not surely die. He begins to totally contradict the truth. He says it's not going to happen. Okay? Go to the next verse. For God knows. Now he adds a little bit to it, doesn't he? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Basically what he's saying God is keeping stuff from you. God is keeping you a higher life. He's holding things back from you. And begin the margin, it begins to get wider and wider and wider. 
And no longer are we abiding in the abiding place. And you will be like God sold him into the lie, knowing good and evil. Amen. Next verse. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Next verse. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. What does that mean? They lost their ability to understand innocence because they were no longer in the place of innocence. The place of innocence. Listen, some of you wish you had a a new start. You wish you had, you know, just start my life over. You just want to come into life and say, time out. Time out. I need a restart. How many know, have ever been to that place where you want to restart? The abiding place is the place of innocence. The more I abide in God, the more I'm aware of His righteousness that is in my life that makes me justified before the presence of God just as if I had never sinned ever. But the enemy wants to create margin to get my eyes off of the cross. To get my eyes off of the righteousness that is found in Christ Jesus. To get me to begin to examine my life in light of my natural circumstances. In light of what's going on in my life. Totally blinding me from the righteousness that has been given to me in Christ Jesus. And so I begin to sow fig leaves and try to cover myself with all kinds of things to bring me the security and the innocence that I long desire to feel. Now I wallow in condemnation. And to keep me from feeling that condemnation, I use fig leaves of drugs, of sex, of workaholism, Trying to cover myself because I'm no longer connected. Oh, he's still there. He hasn't left. The unction abides. I said the unction abides. But because Eve was led astray. Now, let's look at this. Break it down. Go. You guys can sit down. Yeah, amen. Give him a good hand. Okay. So here we see the progression of deception. Number one, question. First thing is question. You know, you believe God for a new building, you believe God for a new car, believe God for a new house. You walk away from that feeling that, praise God, a transaction has happened, and then what comes? Did that really happen? Do you really believe that? you really believe that? you think that's going to happen? What if they don't do it? Come on now, question. Number two, distort. See, Eve participated in the distortion of God's word because the minute the question comes, she begins to question. 
Well, maybe not, you know. He did say we're not supposed to, we can eat of any of the trees, but if we even touch this one, we see she's distorted. She's taken the thesis and the antithesis and has come up with a synthesis. Do you understand that? Okay, thirdly. Then, outright dispute. You will not die. An outward rejection of the truth. Number four. Speculative perception. Speculative perception. Well, he knows. If you eat of this, you're going to be on his level. You're going to be on the same level. So... You know, he's, he's, he's withholding. Do you really know what he's doing? See, people do this all the time in their homes, in their businesses, in their churches, especially when it comes to the realm of leadership. That's the reason why I tell people, you don't want to be a leader. People get all mad at me because I tell them, well, you don't need, you know, I try to be the so-called devil's advocate and say, no, you you know, you need to pray. You need to seek the Lord and really know. Because guess what? You deal with this all the time. Speculative perception. People will talk about you and they don't even know what's going on. And they've already made preconceived decisions about your decision making or what you've done just based upon what they have so-called heard or, or here's the big one, sensed. You don't want that. You don't want to wake up with that in the morning. You don't want to wake up with that. That's the reason why I say, you know, well, I'm called a pastor. You are? Really? Hello? I told my third-year students, I told, I told my third-year students that are, you know, taking the ministry classes, I said, my first goal in the first two semesters is to scare the hell out of you. Oh, I know. I'll be all right. Okay, all right. You go on, happy camper. But I'm telling you, this stuff happens. They start making speculations about your marriage. They start making speculations about what you do in your personal time and how you spend your money and what you drive. And if you drive a car that's anywhere over $20,000, you're stealing their money. Hello? Come on now. Is this okay? Is this all right? Okay, number five. Formulation of new interpretation. He gets us in a formulation where we begin to interpret the Word of God in a different way. Well, maybe God is gracious and He will accept this lifestyle now. We're in the New Testament, so... It's okay now because Jesus is all about love and grace. That is not what Jesus was all about. Jesus was about a kingdom. And kingdoms, believe it or not, have rules. Come on now. Well, you know, he's just all about grace and love. Jesus just came to show love. He didn't come to show love. Although love emanated because he is love. He came to show the Father, and He came to reveal a kingdom. 
Amen? And within that kingdom is love, acceptance, the abiding place. But people want to live in margin. They would rather live east of Eden than in Eden. Amen? Now, now I'm going to get in your Kool-Aid. Let's go to that first... uh, that first. This is how the world system uses this. They got it from the devil and they use it today. And it's by uh, what they call an Enlightenment age teacher called George Hegel. And it's called the Hegelian dialectical model are the Hegelian dialect. How many have heard from some of our leaders in this nation, never waste a good crisis? How many have ever heard? Never waste a good crisis, okay? Where did they get that from? It is the practice and basically the summation of what is known as the Hegelian. Hegelian dialectic. I'm going I'm to mess it up five times. I'm tell you that. But here's what they do. Now, we have to understand, and I talked about this, and you didn't seem very excited about it. I hope that you've changed your mind. But the right and left paradigm that's in our nation is a false paradigm. It's not based on truth. Okay? So the idea that if we just get a little bit more right, that this country will change is a false Because we just saw that this week when there was a release of the January 6th and you saw both sides come out in opposition to it. I know America. I love... I'm, I'm patriotic. I love this nation. But we have been duped into thinking that if we just vote the right person in, That righteousness is going to exalt this nation. That's not the truth. Because if it would have had, then the people that we thought it should have come by, it should have happened, and it never happened. In fact, things stayed the same. See, the Democrat and Republican, you know, uh, paradigm is just a means of keeping elitist in power. And it gives you the illusion that you have some say in the matter. Because we're not a Democrat, democracy, we're a republic. So we, we basically vote in people that are supposed to vote based upon our interests and desires. But how many have ever voted for somebody and they didn't do? When's the last time you turned on Fox News or CNN and you heard about some senator or some congressman going rogue and going totally away from their constituents? Multiple times. Too numerous to count. Why? Because it is a false paradigm. Okay? Now, let's explain this because we just explained it biblically. I'm going to explain how it's used today. All right, let's, let's go back to that one, brother. Go back to that last one. Okay, first off, it has three components, which is the thesis, which is the proposition, 
Has God said? Did God say that really? The proposition to the antithesis, which is the counter proposition, which is what was really said. In dying, thou shalt die. But the two come into opposition with one another. And so this is how the media comes in and takes a subject. First off, they create a problem. Like they'll create and tell you. Now listen guys, please. I'm just a preacher. They'll tell you that racism is a major problem in our nation today. Okay? Now, I am not going to tell you that racism is not something that goes on. Because I know that it has. And I know that it does. But as an overall arching problem that would cause the doom of the nation, no. Anybody... Come on now, it's not. In fact, it is still alive today and will be a problem until Jesus casts that sucker in the lake of fire. Okay? But to amplify and exaggerate it to the point that it causes two divisions, it causes a nation to be divided. And that's what first happens. Ones that are into the thesis and ones that are into the antithesis. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the first one is, this is wrong. This is, you know, absolutely atrocious. We've got systemic problems. We've got problems within the fabric. You know, and they exaggerate and they exaggerate. Has God said? God is, you know, he didn't say that. Blah, 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 blah. And they exaggerate it. But then on the other side, they know they can't get to a synthesis unless they create an antithesis. So they begin to also propound the other side. And you begin to see the exaggerated effects of the other side. People that say, no, there's no racism at all. We're just living in a peace, love, and harmony. And they begin to propound and propound and propound and propound that. And then over here they're saying, no, this place is absolutely racist. This place is wrong. We need to burn it down and rebuild. And then you got, oh, oh, this is a perfect country, absolutely perfect. All we need is Trump, and he'll change everything. You see, you got both sides, and they're fighting, and they're, they know that this is a tactic of never, never, never waste a crisis. They create the crisis. Through words. They create the crisis through the stream of media. They feed both sides. CNN, Fox, Democrat, Republican. So that they will eventually come to what? A synthesis. A new thesis based upon the two, thesis and antithesis. See, I wore these glasses for a reason, so you'd think I'm smart. Okay? Which leads to another antithesis, which then leads to another synthesis, or another new mode of thinking. 
Now, this has played out. Oh, I, I don't run out of time. I've got four minutes, all right? This is how they manipulate you. Okay? So, I don't have time to go into this, but, I, but I'm going to turn here so that I can, I can give you the in, information and we can think about it for a week and then come back. Okay. Slavery is absolutely demonic and of the spirit of the Antichrist. We're the only nation in the world that fought a war to abolish it. But yet that's not being told. That's not being told at all. If you go to any other nation of the world, there is some form of indentured servitude or slavery that's going on, especially in the Middle East. Okay? The, the, um, the, and, and, and also against women as well. So, you, you, you know, you've got all kinds of issues. But because they have an agenda to divide, see, a divided nation will open the door, will not be able to stand. Jesus said if a house is divided, it won't stand. So this Hegelian dialectic splits us down the middle and creates what is known as a new normal. Okay? Did Adam and Eve experience a new normal? Oh, yeah, they did. Fallen. Fallen existence. That's a new normal. That was not the normal they had before. But because they went down the process of deception, the Hegelian dialectic in the garden, they now have experienced a new normal. Well, you know, there was the Civil War, and it was used to bring about the abolition of slavery, the total abolishment and abolition of slavery. And you know, and he did that through what was known as the Emancipation Declaration. And he declared all slaves free. Okay? Now notice this. This is how you're being deceived. I'm just trying to... You've got, you got two more minutes. Okay. All right. So, there was a form of freedom that was given to slaves that were in the plantations, you know, in the south. And it was basically a ruse. It was a deception. And it wasn't true emancipation. It was called manumission. Some of you history buffs will tell you. It was called manumission. And manumission was is that if, if you were indentured to me, I could free you, okay? But there were stipulations to that freedom. And that, my friend, is not true freedom. Free is free, and bondage is bondage. Free is free, and bondage is bondage. But say, for instance, uh, Patrick's been indentured to me, and I'm feeling good. It's Christmas Day, 
and I'm going to let him free. I'm going to say, you know what, Patrick, you've been good. I really want you to get a start. But I'm going to give you your freedom, but you can't buy land near me. In fact, you can't even be in this state. You're going to have to go somewhere else. And you know what? You can't go into this town, and you can't drink from this water fountain, and you can't do this, and you can't use this bathroom, and you can't use this um, grocery store, and you're going to have to get your meals in the back. That's called manumission. Now, a lot of people that lived in slavery in that time took advantage of that because it was better than what they were presently experiencing. The enemy is so good at what he does is that he'll give you just a little bit so that you'll fall in line with him because it's obviously better than what I'm in. And so he wants to create you through this concept, through this, through this, uh, this model. He wants to make you free slaves. I don't think they got it over here. See, Jesus calls you a freed man. Jesus said, anyone who is abiding in me is the Lord's freed man. That means the Lord's healed man. That means the Lord's forgiven man. That means the Lord's delivered man. That means the Lord's dominion man. But instead, the enemy offers a substitution. A mimic. And he offers you the velvet noose. The invisible cage. You're a free slave. And see, that's what the South used against the slaves for many years to keep them suppressed and in bondage. They would call them free slaves. Well, that totally backs the mindset that I'm still in servitude, I'm still under bondage, I'm still in captivity, but yet it's got a little better. People are doing that with symptoms in their body. They're doing that. They're tolerating symptoms in their body because they're saying, well, it wasn't as bad as it was six months ago. Well, you've got a free slave mindset. You don't have a freed man mindset. A freed man mindset, it says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me. That means the curse has no place in my life. I'm not going to allow it. These are hard things to do when you find out how you've been duped. It's not fun. It made me want to throw up. That even my choice of news information that I thought was safe and exclusive to me is a form of deception to get me to operate in this model 
to get me to take a side so that a new normal could be fashioned in my life. And I would be accepting of it because it has a little bit of what I want and a little bit of what they want. And guess what? Both sides are absolutely wrong. The only truth, the absolute only truth is the Word of God. Jesus said, Thy Word is truth. Thy Word is truth. I'm not going to be fooled by manumission. I'm not going to take the offer that's on the table. I'm not going to take the thing that says, Okay, well, I'll let you have this. I'll give you this, but you're going to stay right here. You're going to just do what I want you to do. You know, I'll let you have this a little bit here. I'll let you experience some freedom here. But guess what? You're going to have to come in there. Ten o'clock is going to be your curfew. You're going to follow these rules. You're going to follow this, and you're going to stay in your little cage. Listen, too many Christians have fell for that paradigm, and they're still in their little doggy cage wanting to get out and they're just happy to get a cup of water and a piece of bread when Jesus died for so much more he said I am come that you might have life that you might have it more abundantly amen hallelujah stand to your feet and give God praise hallelujah glory to God glory to God hallelujah thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say, I have an unction. I have the Spirit of God. The wisdom of God. The mind of Christ. Living on the inside of me. I will not be deceived. I will not. Be deceived. deceived. God's word word is my truth. truth. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give me praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here and you need anything from the Lord, His hand is out towards you. The cross is, is God's yes and amen. Jesus is the yes and amen to anything that you need. He will restore you right here on the spot, either by the new birth or by simply reconnecting with him if you found yourself out of the way or misled or if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, he wants to endue you with power from on high. Or if you need deliverance in your life or healing in your body. I'm going to have the counselors come up here right now at this time. And I want to invite you, if you have a need in any of those areas that we talked about, these people are here to help and assist you and to um, partner with you to see that the kingdom of God is manifest in your life today. Amen? Amen. God is good and greatly to be praised. I'm excited. We kicked off Ephesians, and I believe we're just going to keep on kicking through. It's going to be a wonderful time. Ephesians verse by verse this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I encourage you, bring your Bible and some notepads. We're going to be covering some good stuff. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen? Hallelujah.